Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Stride Power Podcast. My name is Evan Schwartz and I'm the host of the show. We hope you enjoy listening to our wide range of athletes, coaches, and experts in the running world. You can find out more about Stride at stride.com, spelled S-T-R-Y-D.com, or check out the show notes. Feel free to give us a follow on social media by searching for Stride Running, again, S-T-R-Y-D, running. Without further ado, let's get on to the show. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to a, another episode of the Stride for the Love of Running webinar series. As always, my name is Evan. I'm your host for the show. Today, I am joined again by Gus. Gus, how are you doing today? I'm doing excellent, Evan. Awesome. Well, we're really excited to do another Stride-based presentation. We're going to be talking about time trials today. So I... Uh, Starting off, I just want to let people know if you're watching this stream live on YouTube, please feel free to go like the stream, give it a thumbs up. Uh, also press that subscribe button. If you are uh, watching on Facebook, feel free to keep watching there, but also um, go to our YouTube channel and subscribe to it so you can keep getting notifications, keep seeing videos. Uh, if you're listening to this in audio format afterwise, please feel free to uh, subscribe in the podcast platform of your choice as well. Today, we're really excited to talk about a tale of two time trials. So we're going to be talking about uh, kind of a more, more recent thing again, as we've put this webinar series out, a focus on non you know, set up races uh, and trying to prove your fitness and those things. Uh, th this has been a really big focus for people. So uh, time trials, these were two runs that I did specifically. We'll get into all the nitty gritty details. Um, if you have any questions along the way, please feel free to send them along in either the YouTube chat or the Facebook chat. We will answer them. I'm definitely looking forward to presenting some more information here. So without further ado, we're going to get into a tale of two time trials. I like the name. It's a, it's a good tongue twister. Uh, Gus, anything to say before we start today? Oh, let's get into it. Cool. Uh, all right. A tale of two time trials. Uh, so I have been making a comeback from the U.S. Olympic marathon trials where I unfortunately did not have a great race, dropped out due to injury. Um, we're going to talk about my couple weeks of training after the fact. So two different time trials on the left-hand side. You can see I did a one-mile time trial on April 5th, 2020. Uh, extremely hard race. Uh, one mile, 345 watts average. On the right side, a little less than a month afterwards, I did two miles at 345 watts. So these were two separate, distinct time trials. We're going to look at the uh, training leading up to the first one-mile time trial, the training in between, and then comparing some of the stuff. And we're going to uh, talk a little bit more about the strategies we think that you can employ, especially right now as more people are turning to time trials to uh, validate their performances and prove their fitness instead of just improving their fitness during training. So setting the stage, uh, this is the first two weeks back to running. So like I said, on February 29th, 2020, I ran about 21 miles of a marathon, dropped out, and then promptly took two weeks off uh, because I was hurt during the race. I did not want to push things uh, any harder than they had to be in my recovery. So I took two weeks completely off, and this is starting completely fresh after I felt like I was back to the point where I could uh, run without 
pain. So starting off, uh, this is March 18th, as you can see the top right corner here or top left corner here. It's my running stress balance. So you can see this pretty sharp, um, you know, down point where I had a, a big RSS activity again, that marathon, and I took some time off. So it starts to arc back up. Then I promptly started my training here and it got pushed down. Uh, we're about right here right now. So we're going to talk about this big block of training here. Um, starting off, uh, I had 221 RSS over two weeks. So that's a relatively minimal amount of RSS spread out. So this is just setting the stage for things. We're going to talk about each of these weeks in particular here. So progression back into running week run week one of running uh two days of run walk by feel so you can see on the 17th and the 18th i had an easy run walk um about 40 to 45 minutes uh of, of activity for that but uh about three to four miles um pretty low average wattage again because it was run walk pretty low rss overall I, then i took a day off again and then i had three days of around 35 ish minutes at 220 to 230 watts that's about 65 percent of my previous cp so that's very easy for me um i've talked in the past about how my typical easy wattage um, for my general level of fitness is about 250 to 270 watts for me so from 220 to 230 pretty easy. Uh, but the one thing I wanted to highlight that was pretty important here is that I had two days off not trying to push too hard again in this first week of running. Second week of running, four days of easy running between 40 to 50 minutes from 215 average to all the way up to 250 watts. So from 63 to 73% of my previous CP, still easy running. Then I took one day off and did my first day of what I would deem quality, quote unquote quality, first day of strides, which uh, was a 42 minute run with six times 20 seconds fast, 40 seconds easy, completely by feel. Then the next day finishing off that week with a hour of easy running right up until that uh, 245 watt range. So still in that very easy range. So the main thing to highlight here is not just looking at the, you know, the great performance, doing the really hard efforts, the time trials. It's easing back into training and having a diligent sort of focus on uh, the stuff that is to come later. Gus, any comments on these first two weeks of easy running? I think it's incredibly smart how you approach your training the first week. It was very, it was very uh, exploratory with the run walk and mm -hmm. you only did single sessions with low RSS scores. Yep, absolutely. The, uh, the thing I absolutely love, uh, because unfortunately, uh, like many runners, I've had um, a couple injuries over the past year or two. Um, before that, I was very, very, very uh, resistant to injuries, but I have really embraced coming back from any aches or pains with run walk. I think that um, you know, starting at a minute running at a very easy effort, a minute walking at a very easy effort is a great way to come back. So I wanted to make sure that my body was all sound, that I felt good while running. Um, so I, I started with that easy run walk, uh, again, just, just to start back the training. So um, that was the first two weeks of running. Uh, looking a little bit closer at this uh, stride, so six times 20 seconds fast, 40 seconds easy by feel. I think that to have a first uh, a, a first effort completely by feel is totally appropriate. 
um, even though it's absolutely okay to you know focus on power, uh, focus on because this is a neuromuscular activity, focus on uh, pace potentially. Um, having strides here as a first effort by feel means that I can have something to compare to next time. So um, just highlighting here, I was around 350 watts for you know the peak of one of these reps. It was about 507 pace. This was a relatively flat terrain. Um, so starting out by feel so I can have something to compare to going forward is a, a great thing to do. Um, so this is the week of the first time trial, seven days of running, two days of strides, one time trial. I have the little orange arrows here to point at the two quality sessions. Um, again, for, for strides and for, for this terminology, just assume that I'm talking about 20 seconds hard and 40 seconds easy, um, typically aiming for somewhere above around 340 to 350 watts, all the way up to around 400 watts, uh, depending on how I feel. The thing that I wanted to comment here is that this week I was focusing on running seven days. Um, you know, even though your body doesn't necessarily know a Monday to Sunday schedule uh, or, a, you know, a Sunday to Saturday schedule, depending on whenever you start your week, seven days of running, I just wanted consistency for a couple days stretched. Um, and so that was the really big focus of this week as well. Um, the mileage and the RSS wasn't necessarily a crazy high increase, but it was enough where um, I felt like I was going to have enough of a um, you know stimulus going forward. Gus, any comments about this week organization before we dive in a little bit more detail? Uh, this makes sense. I think I have some questions on the strides, but I think we will get to those. Sure. Um, so extremely hard race. This was my one mile time trial. Uh, we're going to compare things as we uh, go on. But the thing to know about this time trial, it was after doing about an hour easy running. So I wouldn't say I was 100% fresh, but I was fatigued enough where I thought I could still give a good effort. The thing you might notice is you see this slight increase, the scaling and power center, because it's not that much of an elevation change, uh, but, it, but it shows this slight uphill and then slight downhill. And you can see the power kind of react to that as well as pace. So, um, you know, my power is a little bit higher, my pace is a little bit lower. And then as I go back down the hill, my power drops a little bit, my pace increases a little bit. So I could have done a better job re reflecting after this, I could have done a better job picking it up after, you know, around the two and a half minute mark here. The thing mainly to notice though here is my average. So I averaged 345 watts. My pace um, for the mile was 509. And for for me, this was pretty motivating. Again, this is after, um, you know, only a, a couple weeks of running, no real like quality threshold workouts, no interval workouts, only, um, you know, three sets of strides over a couple weeks. Um, I've run a, a half marathon at this pace per mile. Um, and that was at sea level. But uh, here in Boulder, we're a little bit above 500 or 5,000 feet altitude. So um, all the excuses up there to say, I definitely have done better than this in the past. Um, but this was a good place to start overall. I was very, very happy with it. It absolutely felt all out. Um, and I remember being very excited afterwards, the fact that I was able to put in a hard effort without any pain, without uh, too much fatigue, but I was able to give myself a great baseline. And that's one of the mindsets that I like about early season time trials is that it doesn't necessarily have to be a PR. It doesn't have to be 
you know, a season's best. It doesn't have to be something that you've done better than uh, your past 90 days, although that's, you know, that's always great to have a new point on the power duration curve. But a time trial can be a way to give yourself a great baseline to train off of and then to also improve off of after a couple of weeks of training. And that's what we're mainly going to dive into here. So I was very happy to have a mark at one mile of 345 watts. Um, and we're going to talk more about how I developed the training plan and then how I improved over the couple of weeks. Gus, any comments before we move on? I think one important thing to note is I think a lot of runners would be af afraid to approach a one-mile time trial, uh, mm -hmm. especially coming uh, off just a few weeks of training after recovering from injury. But you did do those strides, and those strides came out pretty well. They came out above this power target. So yep. holding the sub-maximal power underneath those strides, and you did three stride sessions. So I think that you had the great confidence going into this effort. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the, the other comment I'd say here is, uh, you know, my mile PR is from years and years ago. I ran uh, like 423, I think, for a mile um, when I was in college. So um, I've run much faster than this. And initially, as a runner, I think that I'm scared to, like, like you mentioned, uh, some people might be hesitant or scared uh, or fearful of running such a short distance. I think it's fun. It's very fun, especially right now, if there are no, uh, you know, races on your calendar for the next uh, couple of weeks to months. As a self-proclaimed marathoner, longer distance athlete, I think it's very fun to get the chance to have this opportunity in training. And that's what it should, that's what that mindset should really be. So um, I had never been happier to run, you know, a mile over five minutes in, in my life. Um, this was probably the, the most rewarding um, time trial mile that that I have done in my life. So I'm very, very excited. I'm going to move on to the next slide here. Um, the next week of training. So like we talked about, uh, I had about 220 to 230 RSS over the first two weeks of training. And I've started to ramp back up. Uh, again, that, that first uh, point that I started training at was at the top of this curve here uh, around 16th, 17th of March. And we can see over the couple of weeks that I've started to dive down into this maintenance all the way into the productive zone. So this week of training, April 6th to April 12th, I specifically had a couple numbers in mind that I wanted to do and in two sessions in particular that I wanted to do. So we're going to talk about this Tuesday threshold workout, and then we're going to also talk about this fartlek workout on Friday. And I guess one comment I could put on here as well is that my typical sort of training, I like to get in a around threshold-ish effort, uh, and that will either mean intervals that are broken up, um, so starting off with about 15 to 20-ish minutes of volume. If I'm doing a longer continuous threshold, I will do something a little bit lower power range, and if I'm breaking it up, let's just say like seven times three minutes, I'll do a little bit higher power range, so we'll give concrete examples. And then I also like to do some sort of speed, so um, in the weeks before this, I had done those uh, stride sessions where I was doing 20 seconds hard. I wanted to extend the speed endurance a little bit. So my ability to maintain that overall power output, stretch it out a little bit, but give some rest in there as well. So that's what this fart like was on Friday. And then at the end of the week, I did do a um, what I would consider a long run at this type of volume uh, for me. So let's look a little bit closer than at this threshold workout. So. Tuesday threshold plus hills. I am a big fan. Um, 
we had uh, Tom Tom Schwartz on the show uh, a, a couple of weeks ago, and he talked about these mixed intensity sessions. And so I'm a very, very, very big fan of incorporating threshold and also hills when I can, especially in the early season. So this workout in particular was a uh, about two mile warm up, 20 minutes at a threshold effort. And I'll define that a little bit more. We'll look a little bit more in detail. Um, a couple minutes jog and then six times 20 second hills and then a cool down as well. Uh, so let's look a little bit more in detail at this workout specifically. So 20 minute threshold at 312 watts is about 90% of CP, somewhere right around there. I find that uh, for me at altitude, that's a pretty maintainable effort. Um, again, this was still a couple weeks coming back into training, but I felt like I was able to maintain this rhythm, um, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty indefinitely. I, I thought that this was a very maintainable um, sort of effort. The one thing I wanted to point out specifically about this workout is you can see the elevation graph here. I was not afraid to run on hills early in this training block. I wanted hills. I sought out a route um, that had rolling hills because I specifically wanted to train only to the, the power number. I wanted to average somewhere between uh, 305 and 315 watts. Um, I ended up pretty much smack dab in the middle of that, a little bit on the higher end of middle, so at 312 watts. And I wanted to get back in that routine and that rhythm of pacing by power, so not necessarily just running on flat terrain. I really wanted to focus on pacing by power, so I sought out a specific um, route that did have some ups and downs. To, and you can see, uh, especially um, here in this session, we talked about, uh, I don't know, Gus, was this a week or two ago about during some workouts not pressing over that critical power, especially if it's that threshold type workout, you can see that there are really only two occasions where I have spikes over my critical power, um, that, that auto-calculated critical power at the time. Everything else is pretty much right underneath that. And so I, I thought I did a very good job at um, trying to pace as even as possible, but as consistently as possible as well. Gus, any comments on incorporating this threshold work? Oh, one thing I love is that you did the time trial and then you just continued on your normal training block. Uh, you were able to slide the time trial right into normal training and then consistently go back and hit these hard efforts again. Yeah, absolutely. And the one other thing to point out too here is uh, the air power was 5% for this uh, 20 minutes. And that was, uh, I remember it was a breezy, gusty day as well. So I was very thankful um, to have stride. And then uh, following that, like I mentioned, the mixed intensity uh, sessions. These were uh, about 15 second hills, 15 to 20 seconds, somewhere around there, short enough where I could do a hard effort, jog down, recover, and then do it again and not make this a workout that really, um, you know, knocked me down. But I followed up that short-ish threshold, about 20 minutes threshold with these uh, short hill repeats, and these were for peak power. Um, something we did mention about, uh, I think it was last week's webinar, when we talked about the insights into something like hills, right? How um, I know going forward, I hadn't done that hill workout that we analyzed um, yet, but I know going forward that I really need to focus on keeping a higher cadence, and I need to focus on not being lazy 
withheld. So you can see this first repeat and this fourth repeat. I was a little, um, little bit lazier than I should have been. I should have been about 410 to 420 uh, watts for all of these and the first and fourth. Um, I, you know, slacked off a little bit, but we can see that the rest of the repeats here were great. I was aiming for uh, peak power output. And so um, this was just a great way to cap off what I thought was a very productive threshold session. Gus, any comments on these short hills? One thing I love is that you are progressing on your peak power output. You did the strides a few weeks before, and now you've done the hills, and this is progressing on that peak power output and showing that you have access to more and more power as you keep training. Absolutely. And I think that's something that uh, is probably a pretty, uh, the, the cliche I like to use is low-hanging fruit. It's something that's very easy to do, very easy to incorporate, but the benefits are amazing. So um, if you've never done, you know, short hills following a threshold session, it's not necessarily us saying you have to do that, but it might be something to explore. You might uh, have a lot of enjoyment with it, especially if you are, uh, you know, what I'd consider a classical distance runner who only uh, does, you know, your max speed work might be your 5k, you know, effort, right? Your 5k power, your 5k pace. Adding in these short hills is great for that development, especially of, um, you know, actually seeing it in your training of the left-hand side of the power duration curve. But from a um, physiological standpoint, it's a it's a great thing to produce that maximum power as well in training. So um, might be something to consider for the future, but I really like these mixed intensity sessions, especially early on in the training cycle where that threshold um, is a little bit on the more relaxed side, and then you extend it uh, by um, having a little bit more intensity right after that. So um, moving on, the Friday workouts. Again, I mentioned that threshold was earlier in the week and I wanted to do a little bit more speed endurance work. So extending that sort of above critical power work, I did 10 times one minute hard, one minute easy. Because I did a one minute or a one mile time trial that took me about five minutes, I thought that I could reasonably maintain about 10 minutes of volume plus or minus one or 2% around that 345 watt range. So I gave myself the goal of 340 to 350 for my minute hard. And the minute easy was really just a, uh, a jog recovery, maybe a little bit faster than jog recovery overall. This was a relatively flat loop. Um, the one thing I thought was a really funny coincidence, actually, if you remember the 20 minute threshold I did only a couple days before, I did 20 minutes at 312 watts, and you can see the power average for this workout was 311 watts. The pace I averaged on that hilly terrain was 607 per mile, and I ran 543 per mile, um, getting there a very different way. A, a minute hard, a minute easy for 20 minutes is a very different stimulus, even though the averages work out to that. I just thought it was a very funny coincidence as well. Um, so let's look a little bit more in depth here at this workout. So um, have a nice little photo of me in action doing this workout. Uh, it was, a, again, like I mentioned, a pretty flat loop. Um, pretty consistent loop. This is actually where I will do the two mile time trial. So I was trying to practice in my actual practice in my training, what I would do on race day. So splits, I started off a little conservative as I like to do. Um, this had uh, a little bit of downhill in it as well. And the wind was at my back, I think. Uh, so the power is a little bit lower. Um, then I started getting into that between 340 to 350 watt range. Um, I thought I did it 
absolutely fine job at executing in this workout. Um, I was very, very happy with it. The splits were, again, exactly right on my goal. I had a specific effort that I was able to output during that one mile time trial, again, focusing really hard on that 345 watt number. Then I took that purposefully to my training. And I said, again, at, at the beginning of this workout, I want to average 340 to 350 watts for the minute on repeats. I used the Stride workout app on my Garmin 245, and it gave me a notification if I was moving into or out of my range. And I was able to keep an eye on that uh, for each of these laps. And I executed the workout perfectly. I, I do think because of the workout app, it told me exactly where I had to be. Um, if I didn't have that, I was running off of feel, I probably would have started a little bit higher even, and I would have faded over the course of the workout. But I thought that I was able to really, really do a good job at keeping things uh, as even as possible. Um, and I was really happy with this workout. Gus, any comments from your side on this? I just love how intentional you were about this workout in relation to the two time trials. You took your benchmark and now you're trying to extend your speed endurance so you can prepare for the two mile time trial. Like that's incredibly smart when you're when you're preparing for time trials like this. Absolutely. I was uh, just trying to be as specific as possible. And that comes down to um, practicing the course you're going to run on, right? So um, I, I thought that I for sure could have done this workout somewhere else. Um, you know, maybe I could have gone to another road loop. Maybe I could have, um, you know, gone to a, a track if tracks are open in your area and you're allowed to run on them. But I wanted to scout out the place that I knew I was going to run. Uh, and I wanted to practice specifically the effort that I was aiming to run for two miles at that exact location. So um, it's just a way you can go about thinking about preparing for um, the efforts you're going to do in training as well. So um, moving on to the long run here, unless you had any other points, Gus. Um, I was going to bring up the point we should take some questions, but let's take some questions after the long run. Sure. Um, so long run here, just capping off the week, uh, pretty easy long run uh, relatively, um, about 75% of my critical power. I can you know do long efforts much higher than that, but this purpose was only getting time on feet. Just happened to work out uh, 11 miles around 80 minutes was great. Again, 250 to 270 is typically when I get back into training that easy effort. Um, I wanted to get a little bit of uh, hills in here as well, so I did a little bit of rolling terrain, um, especially at the beginning. Overall, I was super happy with this training week, especially with the threshold workout going so well. Again, that mixed intensity session, then having that speed endurance work, um, that introduction to speed endurance work on Friday, and then having just a relatively easy um, time on feet long run I thought was great. Let me serve some questions up to you here. Evan. Sure. So Chris asks, how do you determine your power goal for a time trial? Is it predicted for race distances in the Stride Power Center? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so for me, I thought that I I could have used Power Center, and, and I would definitely advocate for um, people using their uh, modeled curve. So if you go to Power Center, you click on the um, little toggle that says Auto CP Modeled Curve. Um, that's a great way to figure out where Stride thinks your ability is based on the data it has, right? I wanted to start off this training block by just doing a, 
hard mile completely by effort. Uh, and this ended up actually being dead on what my um, predicted power was going to be for, for that effort as well. Um, but for me personally, I thought that it was absolutely fine just to go into it to have that baseline performance going off of effort. Um, and it ended up working out really well for me. So we have a question on shoes here from mm -hmm. Cliff Barnett. And Cliff asks, how do you think the alpha fly has affected the wattage and time for the mild time trial? So maybe you could talk about uh, what goes into a shoe choice and sure. how that shoe choice affects your time trial. Yeah, give me one second here, actually. Yeah. So I keep my uh, shoes on a nice, uh, you know, twelve foot rack uh, in my apartment because I have so many. Just kidding. Um, but I wore, yeah, the, the Alpha Fly. I got these at the Olympic Trials. Um, very, very, very cool shoe. I thought that they are probably suboptimal for the mile race distance. That's a what I consider a little like too much shoe, just because there's a lot underneath uh, your foot. They definitely shine probably at longer distances. I thought that because I ran in a different pair of shoes at the Olympic trials, um, that this was the, the first time I'd get to use them in a hard effort. So I really just wanted to see what they felt like. Um, again, I, I mentioned on that, that mile time trial, there's a little bit of uphill to start, a little bit downhill to finish. Um, definitely felt better cushion wise on the downhill. For me in particular, it was a fun choice. Um, I actually did wear a different pair of shoes. I wore the Nike Next Percent. Um, for the two mile time trial. And I specifically wore those because the loop that I um, ran on had a little bit of uh, a little more turns than just a, a normal um, a, a normal track, I guess I'd say. So the one thing that I actually, again, put into practice during that, um, I can actually go back here, give me one second. Uh, so you can actually see this was the loop and this was me doing the 10 times minute on minute off in the alpha fly. Uh, again, practicing the exact thing that I want to do on my time trial day, I learned that these shoes uh, aren't really great for cornering. Um, so again, like this loop had uh, a little bit too many corners, a little bit too many turns. That's a great thing that I learned in my training um, that this shoe is probably not the right choice for this two mile time trial when I was trying to output, again, that higher wattage, um, run a little bit faster, having to negotiate with some of those turns, uh, that was definitely um, a, a factor that I did have and something that I experienced after, again, preparing for that, for that time trial a little bit later. We have a question here from Bruno, and Bruno's asking about the threshold workout that you did. Can we go back to that slide? Yeah, sure. Um, and Bruno is asking, shouldn't the threshold workout power target be closer to critical power? Yeah, uh, for me, no. Uh, especially right now, early in the season, I think that 90% of critical power uh, for the effort that I was trying to do for the specific type of stimulus. I was trying to do my first threshold-esque workout um, back to, to, to normal training uh, and 20 minutes at threshold uh, or a 20 minute threshold, I would say between um, 87 to about 93%. Uh, so about 90% plus or minus 3% uh, is absolutely fine um, for me as a target. I think everybody differs for sure. Um, but for me, 
starting off early in the in the season, 90% of my critical power for an extended threshold. Uh, I think that's absolutely fine for me. We have a question from David Song, and he's asking about heart rate in relation to power. If your heart rate is much lower or higher for an intended power than you expect, should you speed up or slow down to get the heart rate in the zone, or should you stick to the power target? Yeah, I think um, that depends on the individual. If you're uh, an individual who also has a coach, it depends on what your coach would suggest. Um, me personally, I have heart rate enabled on some of the watches I run in. I tend to turn it off if I can remember to just because uh, it's not something that impacts my training. Um, I'm not somebody that wears a heart rate monitor strap either. So um, I've talked about this a little bit, I guess, on some of the past webinars, but it, it depends on what your um, inputs are for, you know, for that data. And then based on those inputs, you can kind of de determine where to go from there. Uh, as as far as heart rate being much higher or lower for the intended power zone, um, again, I would say if you have a coach that typically prescribes stuff or um, maybe is a little bit more experienced dictating stuff specifically off heart rates, um, then that would definitely be a question they could probably answer. As far as training based specifically on power, um, I find a lot of success sticking to the exact wattage ranges and percentage ranges that I prescribe in my training. Uh, because I feel that those are intelligently informed and it is stuff that I know is reliable for me. Let's go to the minute on, minute off section. We have a question sure. from Eric. And Eric's asking, how did you set the ranges? Did you set a 20-watt range? Did you set a 10-watt range? Yeah, so I set a 10-watt range. Um, I had the, again, Stride Workout app on my Garmin 245. It's a absolutely fantastic app. I, the morning of the workout, I said, okay, go into the app, create my workout, uh, set the high target for 350, set the low target for 340. Um, and I just set 10 times one minute with one minute recovery in between at a little bit lower wattage range. And it ended up working out perfectly for me. We have one question on your weight. What is your... Yep. What is your weight, Evan? We want to know what your <laughs> kilogram are. Yeah, my 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 stride work or my my, my stride weight is sixty four point five kilograms. So I believe that's like one hundred thirty nine pounds. Um, so that's not something that I've changed in quite a while. I tend to stick around um, the, the the same weight, but my stride weight is sixty four and a half kilograms. For me, at about three hundred thirty watts that is about 5.2 watts per kilo or something around there. And then this, uh, uh, the one thing I should also say too, is uh, all this data you're seeing is done at altitude as well. So um, keeping that in consideration. One last question here before mm -hmm. we move on. Johnson asks, it looks like you're running far below critical power uh, in those early training sessions. Do you think many runners run too hard or run too often? Yeah, um, run too often? I don't necessarily think so too often. I am a big ag advocate for uh, routine and consistency. Um, so for me, I find that I do best when I have a set routine, I have a set um, you know, pattern in my training. So I 
you know, if it is convenient for you to be able to get out the door, and this is something I'll actually talk about uh, a little bit later in the presentation, um, if it's convenient for you to get out the door and get a run in, I'm a huge advocate for that. I think it helps me in like an incredible amount, um, balancing, you know, work and life. Uh, it helps with mental stressors and I just enjoy running as well. So for frequency, for running too often, um, I don't necessarily think that uh, I have a problem with that. I like getting out the door as much as I can. Uh, for too hard, I definitely uh, am one of those runners that errs on the side of uh, very, very easy um, for, for my running. So uh, for me, I have no problem throwing, uh, you know, humility out the window. I do not try and stick to, um, you know, especially in the first mile or two of any warm up or any easy run. I tend to go by feel, um, but then if there's a specific prescription for that day, uh, I will try and stick to that because I know the the importance of training and tra training your body to, you know physiologically respond uh, to efforts and training. Um, but for me, yeah, I I really, really enjoy easy runs. Easy running is one of my favorite things, especially, um, you know, being out here in Boulder, Colorado, uh, specifically maybe the, the slide that we're on uh, is actually perfect. This, this ninth run, I did a little bit of a out and back and I got to explore a trail that I'd never run before. And I took it just very, very, very easy. So um, that's the benefits you get from from easy running is being able to get out there um, and, and really enjoy enjoy running, I think, for sure. Excellent. That closes out the first round of questions. Let's, uh, cool. let's see your preparation for the next time trial. Yeah, so we left off here talking about the long run. Um, next week of training here, this is going to talk about uh, consistency. So uh, I had 241 RSS, and we'll remember that at the very beginning of this, over two weeks, I had about 220, 230 RSS. Um, this was the first point of the training block, and I knew it was going to happen sometime soon. Again, we can see that I started training right about here at the top of this curve. I started piling on the training. That running stress balance slowly, slowly started creeping down. I would check my phone every single morning um, to see what my RSB was for that day. On April 16th here, this was the first time I really crossed into that productive or below negative 10 uh, zone. So I took that day off because when I woke up, I just felt tired. I felt fatigued. I checked my running stress balance and I said, you know what? That's okay. I deserve a, a little bit of time. I, I want to relax back a little bit. I want to be a little bit more consistent in this training. Um, the next day, I ran, uh, you know, a very easy run, 227 watts, much below that, um, you know, 250 to 270 that I was typically doing that easy running at. And then the 18th, I still felt pretty tired. So over three days, I only ran once. I enjoyed the run that I did, um, but I really, really, really trusted in seeing that running stress balance number reflect on the fact that I was starting to cross into that, um, you know, that, that negative below negative 10, that productive um, zone. But for me, I really wanted to back off and take things a little bit easier. So um, this week, I thought that the best thing I did was not running actually on Thursday and Saturday. And I had two really good workouts because of it. On Tuesday, we'll talk a little bit more about this, uh, split up interval threshold workout. And then on Sunday, I had a really good long run where I also did a hard uh, continuous threshold in between there. Uh, Gus, any comments on this before diving into the details? 
Well, I think what you did was, once again, I'm going to say it was very smart because you had a huge training ramp, so then you just maintained the RSS. If you just maintain the RSS, the RSB is not going to drastically dip down again. So you just maintain the same training load. Exactly, exactly. Um, cool. So this is that Tuesday workout. Um, I always do love reflecting back afterwards. When I was putting this together, I really thought it was kind of an insight into how I think about um, you know my, my efforts. You can see the little simple smiley face emoji. This meant that I was feeling good or great during this workout. Even though the workout felt like I was pushing a little bit hard, I felt really good here. Um, so I really like reflecting on the little emojis afterwards. Uh, this workout specifically, like I mentioned, I started that first week with 20 minutes continuous at about 90% of critical power. This workout was seven times three minutes at about 95% of critical power. So again, approaching that little bit higher end, I again used the uh, Stride workout app on my Garmin 245, set it for 320 to 325, a five watt range. That's what I set it for. And you will see how close I stuck um, into this range in particular. The other thing that I had here was a two minute recovery specifically at 250 to 270 watts. And I actually did a very bad job in the first three repeats of sticking down in that easy range, which made the workout a little bit harder at the end. Um, and so just for illustration purposes, uh, you can see that the orange power line follows pretty darn close, a couple spikes right up to critical power, which was the, the kind of main point of this workout is just slowly add in that overall time. So this was 21 minutes worth of effort um, at that 320 to 325, a little bit more intense than that 310 range that I ran before. So let's look a little bit closer at this workout. Workout details. Uh, so you can see in the table here, these are the on repeats. Um, this loop that I ran in particular, uh, the the uh, G GPS track, I, I had turned GPS off uh, left GPS off here, so there's no illustration of the hills here. But uh, th this loop is relatively rolling, which you can see from the pace uh, reflecting off the power. So power, again, my goal was to run between 320 to 325 watts, so a incredibly, incredibly small range. And I did exactly that because I was able to see my lap power in real time in the Stride Workout app. I set it up to show me my lap power. I just tried to stay right in that 320 to 325. I went 321, 322, 325, 322, 322, 327, 325. So um, the pace fluctuated, uh, especially look at the last three repeats here. Um, you know, repeat five, I uh, was able to do 322, 519 pace. Repeat six, 327, so five watts higher, but 21 seconds slower per mile at 540 pace because I had to um, overcome some hills. Then repeat seven, I was able to have the pace be a little bit more in my favor because it was a little bit downhill, but I finished right at that range uh, there. So I was super happy with this workout. Again, it's nothing fancy, nothing crazy, just seven times three minutes, a little bit higher power range than I was able to do for 20 minutes continuous, but a very, very purposeful structured workout that I was incredibly, incredibly pleased with. Um, Gus, any comments on this workout? Well, one of the funny things is that the the, uh, the repeat that had the highest power actually had your slowest pace. Exactly. So that just shows that was on a slight uphill. And even on a slight uphill, you did a tremendous job at controlling your power. Exactly. Um, I 
really, really, really valued. And this isn't just me saying it, but uh, the again, the Stride Workout app on the Garmin that I was using, um, same function again on the Apple Watch, but making a power-based workout and just following the lap power, I think is the easiest way to have success in your training. It is so, so incredibly useful to have as a training tool. Um, it just takes the guesswork out of it um, and it keeps you really, really focused on the goal that you set up. When I set up these workouts, I have a very purposeful goal in mind. And once I run these efforts, then I know what I can improve on for next time. Um, but this gives me the ability to really run well in real time, I think. So um, I'm going to move on to the next one here. This Sunday threshold. So I did this in the middle of a long run. Uh, I extended out the, uh, and you, you can see actually my CP has dropped a little bit over time as some activities have fallen out of the consideration window. Um, so I tried to stay right around that 310 watt range um, and then just extend this out 10 more minutes. So um, if we remember the beginning 20 minutes when I ran on a uh, pretty, pretty rolling up and down course, my pace per mile was 607 per mile, but because I was running on a little bit flatter course, I was able to run 545 pace um, for a little bit over five miles. So for about 30 minutes, uh, at 310 Watts. So, um, just again, extending out that duration. So for the question that we talked about a little bit ago, um, of maybe not running hard enough to the threshold again, this, this point was to extend the, uh, power from about 310 Watts and just extend it out to 30 minutes from 20 minutes. So pretty simple, um, overall threshold session. I was super pleased with it. Very, very, very happy. Um, the terrain was a little bit rolling, as we can see here, uh, this huge drop in pace, having to overcome this hill, go down a downhill, and then come right back up another hill, and then go back down another downhill. So um, again, using power to my advantage, uh, I, again, ran with the Stride Workout app on the Garmin 245, and I literally set it for 30 minutes at 305 to 315 watts and i just wanted to stick right in the middle of that and i literally did exactly what i planned so um another big win for me in the training week any comments here gus i think that's perfect awesome uh do you want to tackle any other questions that have come in or do you want to move on uh, we have a few quick questions i think sure. it'd be good to address so one question is from Damian Lane and Damian is asking, what's the ideal running stress balance to maintain when training? Yeah, um, I think for this, uh, an RSB isn't necessarily, at least the way that, um, you know, I'm talking about using it now. Running stress balance is a, a type of performance management chart and it is a reflection of your RSS and how, um, you know, quickly you, you are ramping in the balance between the stress that you're adding. So for me, the focus that I was trying to, um, you know, incorporate was to not pile on training too quickly. I think this is incredibly easy to do when you're coming back from a little bit of time off. And as you get really excited to get back into training, because you can guarantee that I was super excited to get back into doing workouts. My knee wasn't hurting. I was able to run and enjoy it. So I absolutely could have pushed too hard. That is something that I for sure could have done. But because I had the running stress balancer to keep me in check, I wanted to stick to a certain amount. So my, my purpose um, for this training was to try not to go below, I'd say, between negative 10 to negative 15. And that's just my personal sensation. 
Um, so how I, you know, would feel in the morning, I'd check my running stress balance and I'd say, okay, I don't need to go out and run, you know, 10 miles, or I don't need to go run another 75 minutes or something like that. I can be okay with keeping in this specific range that I am in. The thing that I would advocate for is to know the purpose of the metric. So knowing what running stress balance is, it's not necessarily a metric to train to. Um, I think it is a great reflective tool. And again, just showing this specific use case there of me not pushing too hard in my early you know, season uh, training, that is a 100% perfect, uh, great, great example of how to incorporate running stress balance specifically. Yeah, one thing to note there is Evan did come from a cold start. If yes. you are not in a cold start and you have been training uh, consistently where you did not have to take time off for injury, you can probably go a bit lower than Evan did. Sure. There is a question from Jamie. Uh, Jamie asks, I see you're recording your warm-ups and cool-downs as separate workouts. Is that a recommended approach or is that done for better analysis? Yeah. Um for me, uh, especially if I'm doing a workout, uh, I would like to, I guess this is just a, a, a me thing. I'll do my warm up um, in the normal stride workout app on the normal run mode. Um, I'll have, you know, my, my two different data screens with four different metrics there. I'll run my warm up. I'll stop for a second, stretch, maybe do a stride or two just to get warmed up. And then I'll start in that programmed workout. Um, just for me, there's less steps to have to add like warm up and then another step and then another step. And I do like to take um, a tiny little pause before I start my workout. So um, recommended approach, if you maybe want to compare your different warm ups and cool downs over time, um, that could definitely be something interesting because uh, you can absolutely tag the activity as a warm up or a cool down um, or a specific type of workouts. Um, but that's definitely a personal preference, I'd say. Awesome. Let's uh, let's carry on. Cool. So this is the next week of training. You can see that I eased off a little bit. We we visited this last week where I got down to about negative 13. I eased off a little bit, had these two decent uh, sessions, these decent drops in my running stress balance because I added that higher RSS activity. But overall, I was sticking in that maintenance zone. The thing here, you can see the RSS is pretty darn similar because I scaled back um, overall, the some of the duration that I was running, but I kept the RSS the same. Again, that, that purpose of training is consistency. And I wanted to start running again every day because I took two days off um, again the, the, the week before. And I just wanted to have a little bit more consistency here. I did one workout in the middle of the week and we will talk about that. But again, focusing on this consistency of RSS, um, I think is a great, great thing here. Uh, three miles moderate plus six times 20 second hills. Oh boy, this one looks familiar. Um, so the moderate section was a little bit uh, lower power. This was all by personal feel. Um, and we actually talked about this very, very in depth. If people are curious about comparing workouts over time, um, we talked about this in last week's webinar. So I definitely encourage visiting um, that one if people are curious about this. But three miles moderate plus six times 20 second hills, again, for peak power output. Um, this is a pretty good staple workout middle of the week, kind of focusing a little bit more on recovery uh, for me. So very, very uh, bread and butter workout, I would definitely say. Um, Gus, any comments about this one? That looks great. Cool. So let's move on. This is the uh, last week of the training block here. So looking at the second time trial, we can see that the RSS bumped way up because I um, 
specifically focused on making this week pretty hard. Uh, I, I wanted to get a good week because I knew after this week I was going to plan in a little bit of a down week. Um, and I am in that down week period right now. And I'm absolutely loving taking it a, a little bit easier. Um, so we're going to talk about how I prepared for the time trial and then how I actually executed in the time trial and how I finished the training week as well. So on Tuesday, we can see a sort of pattern here. So if you remember the cruise intervals or the, uh, you know, threshold repeats I did, uh, a couple of weeks before this, I did seven times three minutes at 320 to 325. So my CP has now dropped to about 329. So I'm getting close to my critical power, but I am keeping that overall duration of intensity the same. I'm just extending those individual periods at critical or right, right at about my critical power, right at about my goal. So I did seven times three minutes, which is uh, 21 minutes of volume. Now I have 20 minutes of volume. And then I also tacked on three times one minute at above 350 watts, again, because I'm focusing on the time trial a little bit later in the week. Let's look a little bit more in depth at these workouts. So workout details. I'm um, going to sound like a broken record here, but I use the Stride Workout app on the Garmin 245. I set 320 to 325. I came in just under that uh, for um, you know the, the first three, but I, I would rather be just under that, right, right at that goal. Um, and then I finished the fourth one absolutely perfectly. Uh, this, this workout, again, it was run on a relatively rolling loop, so you can see the pace fluctuate 524 per mile. 548 per mile, 515 per mile, 532 per mile. So all over the place um, in terms of pace, but the only focus was being right around 320 to 325. I thought I did a great job of executing there. And then again, I wanted to run above 350 uh, for the one minute repeats. The pace kind of cut down a little bit um, from 502 down to 455, but the power picked up 352, 351, 355. So overall for me, perfect workout, super Super happy with it. Uh, executed perfectly, I, I think, for the the time trial to come later in the week. Gus, any comments about this workout? I just love that you're pushing the power hard after after some already pretty hard sessions. That's a great way to you know stress the body about having to run, you know, consistently doing tons and tons of fast intervals to pre-fatigue it and then go for those harder intervals. Yeah, absolutely. And this is going back uh, again when we had Tom Schwartz on the show talking about mixed intensity sessions. This is absolutely mixing intensity. So um, if you're a person that normally does something like um, four times five minutes right around your threshold. Maybe consider adding some 30-second or 60-second uh, hard reps. It doesn't have to be a ton of volume, but taking advantage of that mixed intensity, I think, is a great thing to do. So um, let's move on to the two-mile time trial. I did a two-mile time trial, averaged 345 watts. So over the course of a couple weeks of training, I was able to extend my one-mile power all the way out to two-mile power. And then we're going to compare some of the, uh, the metrics here from, from the time trial. Uh, the, the one mile and yeah, the two mile time trial. So comparing time trials, uh, power 345 and 345, pace 509 for the one mile and 507. I ran on a little bit flatter terrain. Again, um, I focused on uh, the specific course that I was going to run on uh, a, a little bit uh, before in some of the training sessions. Cadence, interestingly, a little bit higher. Form power, the exact same. Ground contact time a little bit lower, LSS a little bit higher. 10.0 is good for me. Um, so I, I was very happy to see that after the fact. 
Vertical oscillation, a little bit lower as I'm running a little bit faster. Um, and air power is a little bit more windy, uh, specifically on the two mile. I remember in certain patches, um, especially on what I'd consider the home stretch, um, running into the wind at the very end was definitely a little bit, a uh, little bit more difficult for sure. But I was so happy to extend that one mile time trial power out to two miles. That was such a reinforcement mentally that I got in a good training block for a couple of weeks and I was able to specifically improve my fitness, specifically training with stride. And then when it came time on race day, I was able to prove my fitness as well. So um, the target for me was above 340. Um, I thought that I could run anywhere between 340 and 350, but I really had that idea in my head that I could run about 345. So it was so, so, so fulfilling to uh, run that specifically um, and pretty much pace it, pace it perfectly. If we go back here, we see that the for, for the mile splits here, I averaged 345 and 346 um, for the two mile splits. Uh, and I literally paced it pretty much as even as possible. The one thing we talk about uh, you know, with some of those threshold workouts is we don't want to go below critical power, right? Well, I did a great job at staying above critical power, maybe this tiny little bit right in the first like two minutes here. But overall, I gave myself, um, you know, a relatively conservative start, worked into it. And then as we talk about um, pacing some time trials, right, we give ourselves the ability to start out a little bit conservative, get right up to our goal in the middle, and then be able to grind at the end and be able to give ourselves the ability to finish well so you can see this little ramp up here i was able to specifically go up to about 355 to 360 watts for the very end and that is what i consider a perfectly executed time trial um, comparing them uh, side to side we can really see that the, the data really supports and shows that i was able to extend um you know my, my ability over over one mile to two miles with just a couple weeks of training one thing I think everyone should take note of is Evan's leg spring stiffness. And why did Evan's leg spring stiffness increase for a longer effort? Typically, you would expect it to decrease as fatigue sets in for a longer effort. Yeah. Well, it's because Evan did so much race-paced work. He was optimizing his stiffness at race speed, and that allowed him to carry that power from a one-mile effort to a two-mile effort. And I think that's something that everyone should be – paying attention to a metric that you should always track for hard efforts is the leg spring stiffness. Yeah, and I do think those mixed intensity sessions help with that too, right? So it's very, very easy to, um, you know, maybe again, I'll, I'll show this, this image again. It's very easy to relax a little bit too much in the middle and then try and save a little bit too much for the end. Well, I knew because I was doing threshold work right under that critical power and then doing a little bit of faster work like hills or some one minute repeats, I was able to train my body to sustain a specific effort and then be able to, you know, kind of resist that specific type of fatigue and change gears at the end. So I really think that um, I specifically trained very well to execute specifically on this time trial day. Um, cool. I'm going to move on to uh, completing the training week, which is actually something that I'm excited to talk about. So um, I took about a 10-minute easy jog, and then I said, you know what? I feel good. I want to do a hard hill. Uh, the scaling here doesn't do this hill justice. I gained um, in a little bit more than 200 meters. I gained about 20 feet of, uh, of elevation. So this was a 
relatively steep hill. Um, I averaged, uh, you know, including just the the little bit running into start, I really started running hard about here. So about seven seconds into the hill. And then you can see um, maybe these last uh, seven seconds as well. Uh, I, I kind of started fading a little bit and I started jogging, um, but I really wanted to finish the workout with a hard, hard effort. Um, and so running up this hill hard, I was able to actually get above 500 watts. So if we remember, I was training that peak power output, right, on the hill sprints, on the six times 15 to 20 second hill sprints, I was aiming for peak power output. And I was able to, at the very beginning of the, the training session, the training season training block, to get about 420 watts. Um, and I was able to repeat that. I, I knew during that point that could I have run harder? Yes, I could have pushed it a little bit more, but this was a pretty much near all out, um, right right on that 97, 98% of 100% all out effort. Um, and I was really, really, really happy with how I was able to execute after the time trial too. I was um, trying to, again, output as much power as I could, but really round off that, that training session because I still considered the time trial a block in my training um, that I really could take advantage of. So this was completing that training day. And then on Sunday, I did a Sunday long run, a little bit over 15 miles. I did three times two miles in the middle. So you can see the little rises here. So um, about two or three mile warm up, two mile warm up, um, two mile repeat, five minute jog, two mile repeat, five minute jog, two mile repeat, five minute jog. Um, did a little hard section here. And then I had a little bit longer cool down. Uh, the two mile repeats were about 300 watts. So I did about six miles of volume at what I had originally done from about three to three and a half miles of volume. So I just thought that that was a great way to kind of recap uh, or, or cap off the week, um, basically looking at what I had, had done before. Um, so great way to keep the focus of a full training week in context. It could have been very easy to kick my feet up after the two mile and said, you know what, I'm done training for the week, but I wanted to really keep that week hard. Again, you could see that I had about 350 RSS for the week. And then this week I'm scaling back a little bit. So trying to keep a very um, long-term focus vision as well. So Gus, any comments on uh, either that you know, time trial, the hard hill or the long run? Well, for the hard hill, it speaks to the leg spring stiffness again. The leg spring stiffness was not hit as hard uh, coming off that two mile effort. Mm -hmm. So that just indicates you can go do it's fine to go do a hard hill period, hill repeat like this when the leg spring stiffness holds up. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, and then Sunday long run, yeah, I, I was happy to get the duration close to two hours as well. So um, very, very good. Improvements in the power duration curve. This is uh, one last thing to talk about. So we can see this very left image here. Uh, I set a new 90-day best all the way out to 43 seconds. So we can see just above 500 watts I was able to maintain for a decent amount of time. Uh, and then as I you know, started a little bit slower, finished a little bit slower, I still set a up to 43 second 90 day best for that hard hill repeat. So I was ecstatic about that. This middle image here shows that one mile time trial about a month ago. Um, and that represents my best from about two minutes all the way to 340. And then all the way from 340 to 1020, that two mile time trial uh, ha has replaced that that time duration best. So very, very excited that the training I'm doing now is representing more of my current shape and fitness and my power duration curve reflects that as well. So um, very excited for that. And I'm going to keep 
targeting uh, my power duration curve uh, to have some ideas about different time trials I can do, but also see how my fitness is kind of evolving over time. Let's look at the takeaways, Gus. So number one, ease back into training with easy running. This is something I really focus on, something that I absolutely love, uh, taking things easy, um, really having fun with training. But we can see that, again, the first two weeks, I had about 220 to 230 RSS uh, total. And then this last week of training, I was able to do 350 RSS, and now I'm backing down a little bit. So start off easy ease into training, uh, maybe be a little bit aware of the running stress balance if you're coming in from a cold start like I was. Um, definitely identify how you feel personally uh, on those days when you see different running stress balance numbers, but keep that in mind. Number two, don't overload your RSS, RSB, exactly what we talked about. Don't push too hard too early. Um, keep that in mind. Again, these are metrics that uh, can be reflective. It's not necessarily prescriptive. Uh, so just something to sort of keep in mind, but I find a lot of value personally in it. And number three, time trials can fit into normal training. You can absolutely structure training around a baseline you have, and then you can fit it into a training week. You saw the last week of training I did, I did a Tuesday threshold session, I did a Friday time trial plus a hard hill, and I did a Sunday long run as well. So great, great training week for me, um, but I'm able to absolutely have those um, fit into a normal training regimen. Gus, any comments on the takeaways that you would like to plug here? Well, I'd like to encapsulate them all. It, it's really about something we've been talking about a lot recently, and that's keeping your racing edge. Yeah. When you can log a wide variety of durations and intensities, you really are training the whole athlete. You really are prepared for a race at any time because you've practiced all the all those necessary skills to get ready for a hard effort. Yeah, absolutely. I totally, totally agree. Um, cool. Anything else about these slides, Gus? I think that's great. We do have some more questions. Awesome. Let's get to them. So here's one from Jamie. And Jamie's asking about the New York City Marathon. Are you planning to share any data and strategies for the New York City Marathon route anytime in the future? I really enjoyed the discussion related to Boston. Yeah, definitely something we can do. Um, we'll have to put it down as a future webinar topic, I think. We have a question from Gary, and Gary's talking about RSS here. And Gary asks, my last six weeks of RSS have been 700, 400, 400, 500, 500, and mm -hmm. 400. Is there an average recommendation for a good training block? Yeah, uh, it 100% depends on um, your ability and your, your structure of training, right? So um, again, the thing that I mentioned just a bit ago is that RSS is uh, a little bit more, and running stress balance too, is a little bit more on the descriptive side. So it kind of shows what um, that that output is from the input of your training instead of it being prescriptive. So it, it shouldn't necessarily be something that you 100% structure your training by. Um, for an athlete, you could do one activity a week that is 400 RSS and then take six days off and then go do it again the next week. Or an athlete could spread out, um, you know, RSS. Uh, let's let's just say they have. Uh, you know, about 60 RSS uh, per day for seven days straight, right? So that, that would be um, around about the same number. Um, 
but it would look very different in the context of training. So um, it's definitely based on your ability level, definitely based on the structure of your training. In the past, I've absolutely done weeks above 500 uh, continuously for a, a quite a long period of time. Um, but I think that monitoring those numbers and just seeing how it fits in your personal situation and your, your own personal training is the thing to do. We have a few more questions here, but this will just allow us to stay alive for a few more minutes. So if you have any more questions, please drop them in the chat. Mm -hmm. And one comment here from Bruno is, it's nice to see your heart rate being quite low on these time trials. If that was a max effort, it's a great example that someone shouldn't necessarily rely on the 220 formula all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, I, I don't necessarily train by heart rate, but if it's uh, the same device that's measuring it all the time, it might be something that uh, you can use, uh, you know, sort, sort of consistently. So one question we have here is on the RSS and RSB from Bruno. And he's basically talking about RSS and RSB in relation to critical power. Recently, he had to correct his critical power and make a big change to that value. Huh. So some of his RSS values don't feel comparable to the current day. What do you recommend Bruno does? Should he wait until a new 40-day, 42-day cycle begins? Or is there some other option he can do to make his RSS and RSB more insightful? Yeah, um, I guess the thing I'd say is understanding the relationship Right, so um, running stress score is, uh, what is it, 100 times training duration uh, from your current power at that second over your critical power times the coefficient. And so understanding that your power versus your critical power is going to be an important factor in RSS, right? And so if you, if you change one variable, you have to be cognizant and aware of how the other variables kind of respond. So um, that's how I would kind of answer that. I would definitely say, um, Bruno, if you want a detailed response, definitely uh, emailing support at stride.com. We could look through the data a little bit, um, walk through that a little bit um, more, but understanding when we're talking about RSS, RSB, that they are reliant on uh, you know numbers. And if the numbers change, then you can't necessarily compare them exactly equally. So we might have our best question for last here from Antonio. But before we get to that question, I'd like to encourage everyone to subscribe to the YouTube channel because we have some great webinars coming up next week. Absolutely. And that, as we were talking about earlier, that Stride really is a great tool to keep your racing edge. So if you do have any time trials planned, we recommend using Stride for that. And uh, if you don't have Stride yet, to get started with Stride and record those efforts because you can make those time trials worth a lot more when you have Stride. And we do have Stride in stock if you want to head to store.stride.com and purchase. Absolutely. So the question here is, could you please advise on any specific document in order to use the training zones correctly and understand the training effect and purpose of running in each zone? Yeah, yeah, great question. Um, I would definitely encourage going to stride.com slash guide, G-U-I-D-E slash guide. Uh, and reading a little bit more in depth there, we have a lot of great information there as well. I would also highly, highly encourage uh, joining the Stride community on Facebook. 
Um, I'm also a fan of the Paladino Power Project group where they talk a little bit more in depth about specific type of training um, intensities as well. But the Stride community is a great place to ask questions and hear how other people are kind of structuring their training. But if you want um, a specific document to read through, stride.com slash guide is definitely going to be the, the, the best way to read specifically about um, you know, the Stride-based stuff right now. We had one more question, Roland. I think this is a great one to close out on. Sure. I've had four runs with Stride so far. My week is mostly zone two running on Tuesday and a tempo and some intervals on Thursday. Will this type of week be a good week to assess my auto-calculated critical power? Yeah, um, we have a great webinar recorded a couple of weeks ago on how to uh, establish and maintain a valid critical power uh, auto-calculated critical power, I should say. Um, I definitely encourage watching that. Uh, so it's just a couple weeks ago, if you go to our YouTube profile, um, YouTube channel, and then you click on um, how to establish and maintain a valid auto-calculated critical power, that's great. The thing that we definitely recommend is variety. So we're, we're looking for those short duration, high intensity activities. And then we're also looking for um, a little bit of a moderate run. So again, that that kind of threshold effort, that tempo effort in the 15 to 30 minute range at a pretty decent clip. Um, so we recommend a time trial somewhere around 5K, 10K, something like that. And then a little bit longer duration. So maybe around 60 minutes to 90 minutes of just um, not super, super easy, but something uh, a, a little bit uh, more, more than easy just to kind of flush out uh, that full uh, power duration curve. So um, I would definitely recommend that for gauging your the validity of the auto-calculated critical power right now. And that's all we have, Evan. So Awesome. Yeah, uh, cool. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Like Gus said, uh, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, join the Stride community on Facebook as well. Um, we're really excited to keep pushing out this content. If you are interested in Stride, go to store.stride.com. Uh, pick one up if you haven't already. And uh, I would champion anybody watching right now that has a stride, go tell a friend who doesn't have stride uh, about this webinar series if you found it useful. So we're really excited to not only talk about, you know, the, the stride stuff that we're doing uh, one, once per week in these uh, end of the week recaps, uh, but we're excited to keep bringing experts and different interesting people to the stride webinar series, the For the Love of Running series. Um, we think it's really fun just to hear from different people, different backgrounds. So um, thanks again. For everybody tuning in, we really do appreciate it. Uh, and we will be back next week with another episode. Bye-bye. Thank you, Striders. <laughs>